first of all, everything that these guys are trying to build here, I feel like I represent. I feel like I fit in. And, you know, I had the opportunity to choose from 32 teams where I wanted to be. I wanted to be a Dallas Cowboy. I wanted to be in a place where I was going to reach my full potential around guys that see the same vision that I see, a team that stands for something. And I want to be a great asset to it. I want to contribute to being the best offensive line in NFL history. I couldn't have asked for anything else. I couldn't be in a greater situation. I couldn't be in a greater, a greater place. And, you know, I just want to thank Mr. Jones, his family, this organization, and everybody that's standing behind me because I guarantee you this. I'm going to give this organization everything that I have and more. This is going to be the best offensive line in NFL history. Mark my words. And the only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys indeed? It's officially game week here at The Athletic. And that means it's time to talk Cowboys on About Them Cowboys. We've got another exciting half hour of Cowboys talk here for you with our Cowboys experts. And this hour is going to be... Let's just say interesting because we've got John Mashoda back as always. We've got uh, Kevin KT Fun Tweets Turner. And joining us for the first time is uh, somebody from the Athletic DFW who you might uh, have read his stuff. Um, you've definitely read the stuff he has edited. This is one of the people who keeps it all together at the Athletic DFW and uh, knows a lot about the Cowboys. And we're excited to get his thoughts on the Cowboys today. It's Mike Polucci from the Athletic. Hey, Mike, welcome. Good. It's going to be good. Good to uh, to dive in on game week. Finally, to some regular season Cowboys talk, and uh, there's some breaking news I understand. And so for that, I'm going to turn it over to Kevin KT Turner. Well, thank you very much, Kent. And I guess we should start with what has happened uh, this morning at the time that we were recording this podcast, and hopefully you listened to it uh, sometime this week before the before the Giants game. Uh, multiple reports. John Michaud is one of the people on the beat as well here. Say that Lyle Collins is finalizing a deal or is expected to finalize a deal with the Cowboys um, in the long-term range of around five years. Um, I've seen John Michaud, you know, who's with us here, uh, tweet out that, you know, if you look at Lyle, Zach, Travis, and Tyron, all four guys now signed through the year 2023, Hypothetically, you know how guaranteed contracts work and things things like that. So, a bit of a shocker when Zeke Watch has been happening is it is now being reported that Lyle Collins is now taking a piece of the pie. John, what are your immediate thoughts on this, and what else can you tell us about it? I think my immediate thoughts are just that, you know, covering this team, uh, just expect the unexpected because I think – all of us felt going into training camp that Dak Prescott would be the next guy to get a contract done following, obviously, Demarcus Lawrence. And we get through all of camp, and not only does Dak not get his deal done, but nobody does. And then we get back to the star, and the training camp practice is there. And the Cowboys put out an email saying we're about to announce a signing. It's going to be, you know, be in the uh, atrium at oh, whatever it was, 3 me. o'clock this afternoon. And it was to announce Jalen Smith. And then, and it, what's interesting about this Lyle Collins move is that he talked yesterday in the locker room for a while, and most of the offensive linemen, they, I mean, 
they'll talk every, every week, at least one, one day a week. But, like, Lyle Collins is very quiet, usually keeps to himself. But he was talking for a while about a lot of things, a lot of, uh, you know, big-picture things and that, and how he wasn't really concerned about his contract, that this year was all about, you know, them making a run at, at, at winning a championship and that, you know, all that stuff will kind of figure itself out. And, and, and I'll be honest, I had my doubts that he would end up resigning with the Cowboys just because I felt like he'd play out this final year of his, of his deal. And, I mean, you guys obviously saw what the – what the Texans gave up for Laramie Tunsil. If you're a good offensive tackle, uh, starting offensive tackle in this league, you can make a lot of money. I figured he'd play out this year and get a big deal, but it's sounding like I don't have the the terms on the deal, but other than it's a five year extension and that it sounds like it's a deal like Jalen Smith's where it's it's good for both sides. Um, the only other thing I'll add real quick is that um, don't think that this has any impact on them trying to resign Dak Amari and then getting this Ezekiel Elliott deal done. I mean they have this all planned out that that this was their that's the direction that they were going to go so uh this doesn't change things for those for those other three and i think there's been a little bit of unnecessary salary cap panic among the masses because i think to me what this all comes down to is do you trust will mcclay because if you trust will mcclay to continue to draft well then you're going to keep continuing to get minimum wage players on your roster so you know, you, they were always going to pick and choose who they wanted to keep, and I think that's part of the strategy from Stephen Jones was, hey, look, our office is open. If you guys want to come do business, come on with it. We're ready. And Jalen and then now Lyle Collins have said, you know what? I would prefer to be a Dallas Cowboy for the rest of my career uh, or for, for the better part of my career. Let's get in that office and go crank out a deal. And this this option goes for Byron Jones as well. I mean, if Byron Jones want, really wanted to go get something done and ha- gave them a reasonable offer, I think they would consider it. Now, the depth at that position makes you kind of scratch your head and go, do you really need to sign Byron? But these other contracts at the cornerback position are coming up as well. So I think you, you look at all those, I guess what we would call second-tier guys on this roster. Those guys, most of those guys, and or, or a couple of those guys, and, and Lyle and Jalen are going to get the job done. Because Steven said, come do it, and we'll do a team-friendly thing that's going to hook you up, and it'll end up being a player-friendly thing. It all makes sense. Now, on Zeke Watch, I think you have to sit here and go, okay, now if I'm paying all this to my offensive line, and I'm going to pay Dak, and we know they are, you still want to pay Zeke? And it seems like things might have gotten a little bit ugly over the weekend, and I think things are going to calm down. Um, It's been rumored that Zeke and Rocky are back on their way to DFW. Rocky Arsenault his, is his agent. Back on under DFW today, which is, I'm, I'm we're recording this on Tuesday morning, so Tuesday afternoon. I sure thought the deal would be done by now, but if that rumor is true that Zeke and Rocky are coming back, then I think we're kind of looking at a Zeke deal getting done this week as well. Well, I think the to play a little devil's advocate for you, KT, um, at what point, you know, I don't think the the big plan of signing the big three has changed. You know, that's clearly priority number one in, you know, at the star. So at what point is there a moratorium on the second tier guys being able to come in? Because at some point, let's say Byron Jones wants to come in. Let's say, uh, you know, a Cheeto wants to come in. Just more guys. Somewhere along the line, you have to leave a huge slice of cap open for those top three guys who are, you know, at least in Dallas's mind. You can, you know, we could sit here and I think you and I share a similar view about the utility of paying a running back big, big dollars. But clearly in their mind, 
they want to give that kind of commitment to Zeke. So at some point, you have to start turning people away. And is it wise to now have four big deals on your book on the offensive line, especially when I think everybody uh, in the spring, you see a pick like Connor McGovern, and certainly that hasn't gone to plan with him now being on injured reserve. But when you see you know a pick like that in the third round, their second pick overall in the draft, you don't see reinforcements of the secondary, secondary until day three. I, certainly, I was thinking, I think a lot of people were thinking, okay, well, there's your your pipeline replacement for Lyle Collins. And all of a sudden, you know, something changed. So at what point do you start thinking, all right, maybe we need to stop giving out some of these tier two deals? Or at what point do you start thinking, you know what, should I worry, even if the cap keeps going up every year, do I have too much invested in one area? Even if that area, the offensive line, is, you could argue is the most critical on the roster. Well, with the offensive line, I will say this. I, I don't think any of those deals are ones that would be – you know, any type of record setting type deals, you know, with Travis's deal, Tyron Smith signed 10 years, $10 million, you know, $100 million deal. That was a steal. Um, and then I, I don't think this Lyle Collins is going to be anywhere close to a market setter either. So in a way, I think they're taking what will be end up looking like team friendly deals as the cap continues to increase. So and in terms of the other guys, um, what is going to happen is just, you know, they're they're saving that that what they would say that piece of the pie for Dak, Amari, and Zeke. Now, if other guys want to come forward and they want to try and get their piece, um, I just think that what's going to happen is it's going to have to be similar to this Lyle Collins, similar to this Jalen Smith deals where it's they're going to have to be more team-friendly or they're just not going to be able to do it. Um, you know, The Dak, Amari, Zeke ones are the ones that uh, have the potential of being at the tops of, of, of their market. And, and believe me, I, I was thinking the same, like, can you really afford to pay all these guys on offense like this but this has been their plan, and their plan has been to win with an offensive first team. I mean, it's been built that way, you know, ever since Jason Garrett really ha- has taken over as head coach. And so this has been their plan all along. Um, I, I just, again, like I, I would like to see these Lyle Collins numbers. They're not out yet. Um, but I think when they do come out, I think people are going to be pretty surprised that they're they're not – it's not going to be paid as like one of the very top tackles in the league or anything like that that is going to have this major impact on the rest of, of the salary cap. You know, to me, he is not that yet. Like to me, I think Kyle Collins is very good. But oh I no, just no, don't... no, AKT. Hey, I don't, I don't think he is either. I just meant the fact that, like, if he has a good solid year again, um, and let's say starts sixteen games like he did last year on the open market, he could get crazy money if, if because he could potentially be one of the best offensive tackles on the open market. Yeah, and it's also like a, a situation where you really look at it closely. Look at the specific situation that Lyle went through. The Cowboys are going to make it right for him and make him a lot of money when four years ago he lost a lot of money just because of everything that happened in the draft. And we don't have to go through uh, detail all of that. Now, can I dangle this out there just for fun? Bobby Belt of the NFL Network had a tweet a few minutes ago that was very interesting to me. If the Cowboys, because when they took Connor McGovern, we all went, Lyle's the odd man out. Connor Williams will well, probably flank out to tackle at some point. There we go. Well, Bobby says that the Cowboys cut, and I just pulled up the numbers. It's true. If the Cowboys were to make Tyron Smith a cap casualty after this year, they would save $40 million on the cap. And that's something that I would sit there and go, you know what? Back injuries don't get better most most of the time for aging offensive linemen. I get he's still one of the best left tackles in the league. I don't I don't I think he allowed one sack last year. But that would really help you. 
if you and then you could make Connor Williams. I mean, it's still a project, but he would be the guy you move. Now that seems like a lot of crazy talk right now, but I just think it's interesting that on draft day we all went, "Hey, Lyle Collins is the guy that's going to get bounced here." It might not. It could be someone else. And when Tyron did that deal, I remember going, "Well, this is not very player friendly down the down the line." So they could it gives them a couple of options with Tyron. They they could say, "Hey, we well, are going to cut you." Or they could say, hey, man, would you like to take a pay cut? We really need to keep everyone together. You know, you let this season play out. God knows what's going to happen with his back. I mean, it's really uncertain to me how that plays out going forward. But that's just an, another interesting angle of discussion right there is that that could be a, an option that they have. It gives them a little offensive line flex, flexibility that you can save money by cutting Tyron after this year. It's definitely interesting because it would – it would almost be a really interesting litmus test between Will McClay, if say that happens, uh, you know, a Will McClay led personal department versus traditionally how Jerry Jones has done things. Because for whatever critiques people have had about Jerry over the years, the one thing uh, that had held true for so long is Jerry takes care of his guys. Jerry's loyal to his guys. And maybe the first, you know, crack in that veneer, so to speak, was Des Bryant, how everything played out there. Suddenly, if you cut a Tyron Smith next year, I mean, you're talking about a guy who uh, is on pace. I mean, what would we say? Two thirds of the way to a Hall of Fame career at the rate he's going. I mean, if he has to put up what three, four more big Pro Bowl years, all of a sudden you're talking about a, you know, borderline double digit Pro Bowl type player that puts you in the hall. Um, that's not the type of dude that Jerry Jones tends to cut. That's not the stature of player Jerry Jones tends to cut. But you look at the bottom line, you look at uh, the recurring injuries that he's starting to have, maybe you start wondering yourself. And so if that does happen, that to me clearly, I mean, there, I think there are a lot of people on the outside who don't realize necessarily um, how things are changing in terms of how the team operates. That to me would be a pretty clear sign because I don't think Jerry Jones 15, 20 years ago would ever think about doing something like that to a signature key player like a Tyrant Smith. And maybe it doesn't happen. We're sitting here and, you know, this could all seem like crazy talk, but uh, it, you know, like KT said, this does start to make you wonder what the plan was then uh, why do you draft a Conor McGovern? You know, what's the next domino to fall? And I should say, too, the last thing is just like, you know, our, our Bob Sturm has done some really fantastic work breaking out the offensive line. I mean, he literally did a series breaking out every single sack that the Cowboys allowed last year. You should go read all of it if you haven't already. And one of the things he discovered was that, look, Connor Williams really struggled. So we sit here and we think, oh, well, maybe Connor could kick out to tackle. Uh, Connor's reshaped his body. He's going to look great at left guard this year. We've got a lot to see from Connor Williams. You know, this is certainly, I mean, if Connor Williams doesn't hold up his end of the bargain, then Tyron Smith's going nowhere. You know, if there's not some significant step forward from Connor, then you probably don't have an option to make a move like that because you just don't have any degree of confidence in your left tackle replacement unless you get lucky in the draft or there's some move that we, that's not remotely on the horizon for Dallas right now. I think all those dominoes start with Tyron's health. If he's, if he's healthy, and makes it through this full season, I don't think there's any chance of them uh, releasing him. Now, he has missed three games in each of the last three seasons. And, you know, at, you know, like you mentioned, KT, backs, they generally don't end up getting better. Um, we obviously saw that w- with Tony Romo. So if that was the case where they felt like, you know what, uh, Tyron's just not the guy that he used to be. Um, you know, we don't know if, if he's going to miss extended period of time going forward because of this issue. Um, then... If they move on from him, then I think that's when the dominoes start falling in the sense of, I don't I don't know that Connor Williams all of a sudden becomes your left tackle. I think then you have a lot of pieces moving around, and maybe he moves to right tackle. Lyell moves to left, where I believe he played at LSU. 
and then you have uh, Connor McGovern uh, take on the uh, the left guard spot. I think that's what if, I mean. That's very hypothetical, looking really far in the future, because it's not just what the Cowboys say about Tyron Smith. It's about when you talk to other guys in the league, what they think of Tyron Smith. So as long as he can be out there and be effective, even if he's not completely 100%, but as long as he can play, I, I just don't see them parting ways with him uh, before his deal's done. Yeah, I agree with that, and you're you're right. The health is all all where this begins, and after, even if it's after, if it's one year or two years down the road, like I, I threw out the idea of, of 40 million over, you know, is, is how much you could save. Um, but that doesn't have to happen now. You have, if you look at Tyron's contract, really any time for the rest of the duration of this deal, you could cut him and save money. So the point is the pie is going to keep getting bigger because it's just how it's going to work unless something crazy happens in the CBA. And then, you know, a little, it's little uh, moves that you can make with Tyron's contract. I mean, if you wanted to cut him after the 2021 season, where he would be going into his year 32 season, you could save uh, 26, I'm doing the math here, 27 million on the cap. And maybe that's more of a realistic plan for Tyron. And maybe their plan for McGovern might have soured, quite frankly. He got here and was hurt. I know a peck is a very tough injury, but, you know, maybe it's one of the, he was one of those guys that they did not meet with, you know? So what's interesting about McGovern is that he could have got here and they could have been like, man, this is this guy's not uh, what we thought he was. Uh, we had him graded out, but we totally didn't meet him or meet with him or anything. He didn't get to know him. So maybe they've soured a little on him. But I don't think any of that has anything to do with Lyle getting a deal done. This is about this is about Stephen Jones opening up the office for business and Lyle going. And you know what? When you guys uh, had Travis and uh, and all the to Tyron and and Zach Martin, you guys all came. We all had dinner at uh, Jerry's house, and you guys took care of me and met. And I decided to sign with you guys. You know, little things like that, where it's like, man, you guys took a chance on me uh, when things had gone really bad for me, a bad time in my life. You guys took a chance on me. I'll give you a good deal. Let's go play because it's going to help me to be here anyways. So, I mean, that's. It, it, it's it's came out of nowhere, and I think that's the surprising part about it. But I'm also kind of surprised that there aren't more deals that are done like this. And I realize there's an agent component, but it really is true that playing for the Cowboys helps you. It just it, it, it is a legitimate, true thing. And it's ultimate leverage for Jerry and Steven, and it's maybe kind of unfair <laughs> to, to, to the rest of the league and Maybe if you are in a negotiation, maybe it's a little unfair because they're going to try to hold that against you. But it really does make a difference. And the fact that they got this done to me is a good sign, though, because it's one less thing you have to worry about when you have a bunch of crap you were sitting there going, we got to get this deal done and that deal done and this deal done and that deal done. Well, Amari Cooper ain't trying to sign his deal today. Amari Cooper's not trying to sign his deal this year. He's shown very little interest in doing that. Dak... Might not even want to do his deal. He might say, you know what? I can wait. I'll wait on golf to sign his deal. I mean, CAA's got a lot of options the way they can handle Dak. So when you look at the whole salary cap and the whole picture, I sit here and go, you know what? Dallas is doing the right thing. If they're having holdups on the main uh, ones that they wanted to get done, there was never any pecking order. You had priorities, but there was never some, you know, oh, we've got to do it in this order. In the end, it's all one big cap. And that's where I kind of like the fact that they went and got Jalen done. And I like the fact that they got this done 
Because as you mentioned, John, this was the plan. The plan was to spend your money on offense. And it started out weird when they paid Tank. But if the, the plan was to spend your money on offense, well, I'll be damned. They're about to spend a bunch of money on offense, and that's where you go win games. Because guess what? Your rookie quarterback still makes less than the punter. Or your, your, your first-year contract quarterback, rookie contract quarterback, still makes less than the punter. This is the definition of taking advantage of a rookie deal. Okay, and that's kind of, I think people have jumped to conclusions on that just because Dax reportedly or, you know, rumored to have asked for $40 million or whatever after the Cowboys lowballed him. But the whole point of that is this is the rookie contract and this is their chance to take advantage of it. And they're kind of doing it by signing these team-friendly deals with Jalen and Lyle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. I, I think when I think about Jalen versus Lyle, the only, you know, a – I think you kind of have to calibrate it through what we might do versus what they want to do. And like you said, if they're going to go offense heavy, then this is what they're going to do. I mean, I sit there and I look at a Jalen versus Lyle. I think, you know, Jalen is closer to being one of the best players in the league disposition that Lyle is. Um, that's certainly uh, a component that I take into account of, you know, when you sit there and say, well, it's one team friendly deal versus another. Well, how is, you know, how are players excelling their respective positions? I mean, that for me actually is why, you know, if, if someone were to break down, who do you pay first between a Dak or an Amari or an Ezekiel Elliott? For me, I've always been on the mind of you actually pay Amari because Amari is the best combination of a premium talent at a premium position. Whereas I think Zeke is clearly a premium talent at you know a non-premium position in today's NFL, relatively speaking. Uh, and Dak hasn't proved himself as that kind of talent, albeit at the most important position. So when I look at, I guess, team-friendly deals comparing apples to apples, to me it's more apples and oranges because I think Lyle Collins hasn't, you know, he's been up and down. I think he's clearly a solid player and clearly, you know, an above average starter and a building block that they obviously want to have around. Um, but, you know, compared to a Jalen Smith, who uh, has shown to be one of the best young linebackers and is quickly ascending into one of the best linebackers, period, at his position, uh, to me, it's not quite the same thing. But again, um, we sit here and we can look at their plan of sliding in a young draft pick. And, you know, I think KT makes a really good point that they didn't bring in Connor McGovern. This is a team that historically and especially uh, in the mobile clay era is very big on using their visits to evaluate guys that they ultimately take so you know it would be extremely premature to say there's some case of buyer's remorse but it's certainly they're working with less information going in with him than they do other players so yeah if the door's open and they want to be opportunistic and here's lyle collins saying i'm ready to do a deal and here's dallas saying you know what why shouldn't we um and poof, here you go. And so that shapes where they're going to be going forward. Um, the nice part is the cap will go up every year. So odds are in two or three years, whatever this number is, is probably going to look pretty exceedingly reasonable. So for all we know, I mean, we could be you know, wringing our hands about nothing nothing huge right now. In the, I know, and I agree when on the wide receiver position, how, and it brings more value. And I've, I've heard uh, others say the same with the Amari Cooper contract. And I've obviously... If you're on Twitter long enough, you've seen it plenty of times from a lot of different people about how you don't pay running backs, and I and I get that. Uh, but I just wanted to add though that I really do believe that Ezekiel Elliott is just is a different type of guy, whether it's on the field, behind the scenes, and what he brings to this particular team. I can't speak for what he would be like on other teams and how well, the context would be in other definitely, locker rooms. Definitely plays a role, right? I mean, and don't get me wrong. I, I think he's clearly the best running back in the league. He's a special, special talent. But most importantly, you know, for this team, you got to pay Zeke. That's how they've built the roster. It's, you know, they have made their proverbial bed. Um, and so that's why sooner or later, I think that's why we've all been optimistic. Something will get done at some point because uh, 
Zeke is going to get paid and they know that they need Zeke. And so for this team, I certainly think that, you know, there's the difference of the vacuum versus the context. In the context, Zeke is essential here. I'm, I'm no way, shape or form am I necessarily arguing against that. I think another component to that too, though, is that Zeke's also never been hurt. Like with Gurley, there's like a red flag with his ACL. And we've seen how the ACL has affected running backs going forward. So like, I'm always nervous about running backs. I'm nervous about a guy like Nick Chubb. You know who got hurt in college? Like these guys that get hurt in college, then they come to the NFL, and I want to give them a bunch of guaranteed money, man. It's like the ACL injury on running backs. If you look at it, you got a lot of guys who end up having hamstring issues or uh, knee. You know, their knee begins to wear down and things like that. With Zeke, I do agree that yes, you never. I mean, I've, I've, I've said this many times. He is the exception to the rule of paying a second uh, a second contract to a running back. I would just never do it. Unless it's him, unless it's this team, and the roster's so close, and the owner's 77 and trying to win a Super Bowl before he hits the grave. I mean, let's be honest. It is what it is. That's that's all part of this. So when you look at every factor and you push them all together, I sit there and, yeah, it probably makes sense to go ahead and do it. And it makes me a little uncomfortable. But some of these things, when you're giving out big contracts, have to make you uncomfortable. Otherwise, you just never pay anybody. And that can only work sometimes, you know. We've only seen a couple teams do that without paying anyone. You know, it's very few. So that's why I think it's very interesting. One thing I'll, I'll ask you guys, though, when it came down, and before we, we'll take a quick look at the Giants and maybe maybe quickly hit the roster cuts, but my question for you guys would be, when you look at who they've had to take care of, let's rule Zeke out of this because I think we can assume Zeke is going to get done. Is everyone okay if Byron Jones doesn't get paid? Because I think this was a, more of a, a like the, the Lyle Collins deal getting done. I think the the residual effects I think affect Byron and maybe like Malik Collins. You know, those are two guys who probably are not going to get paid now. It would be most likely to get paid or, or not get paid. Are you guys okay with that? I, I think corners become one of their deepest positions. Obviously, you see throughout camp when you didn't have Byron, you know, your top three being. Cheeto, Anthony Brown, and Jordan Lewis, and they certainly could add a guy in the draft if they did go in a different direction uh, and didn't bring back Byron Jones. I do think that they're better with him. I mean, he clearly. I mean, the team gave him MV, defensive MVP for last season. They obviously know how important you know he's been. I know Chris Richard loves him and loves his basically what he's been able to mold him into because he does have so many outstanding you know physical gifts. I mean. Um, the only thing missing with, with Byron, obviously, is the interceptions. He just he doesn't intercept passes. If he adds that to it and he hasn't re-signed with the Cowboys, I think he prices himself out of the Cowboys market because I think he's going to get a ton of money on the open market. Now, if he's willing to take some type of a team-friendly deal, uh, I wouldn't count him out, but I think that this secondary has been built to make up for if they were to lose him. And to the Malik Collins point, I think that's why you draft a Tristan Hill in the second round overtaking a safety this year is because you're looking ahead that, hey, if we can't bring back Malik Collins uh, on another one of these type, like I said, team-friendly deals, then we have to be looking towards the future, and the future would be Tristan Hill at that three technique. So they have planned, and, and they have they have made moves to, to prepare themselves to where, yeah, maybe they're not as good as the guy that was starting a year ago ahead of them, but they're not going to be in a situation where all of a sudden they're just terrible at that position. That's what they're setting themselves up for. So um, yeah, you'd love to have Byron Jones back. You'd have love to have Malik Collins back, but at some point you're not going to be able to have everybody. So the best thing you can do 
is just draft well, and that's something that the Cowboys have done. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, I just want to pause for a second to build off of what John said, which is appreciate the fact that this team is now in a position. There was a very long time where they were remedial drafting a lot. It was, here's a giant gaping hole. Let's throw resources at it and hope that it gets fixed. They, they weren't in a position to be proactive. Now you're in a position where they can say, yeah, let's let's draft a Tristan Hill because we won't need him this year, but we'll probably need him next year. That's what great organizations do. And for a very long time, the Cowboys struggled to do that. And so, and, you know, we talked plenty about Connor McGovern. That, you know, at least gave them an option to do something like that. When the hypothesis was, okay, Collins is going to walk. That's fine. They'll plug in McGovern. They're in a position now where, um, yeah, you have to keep drafting well. Certainly, that's that's the backbone of this thing. But they, we have reason to trust them to do that really well. And they've done an exceptional job of it to where they can sit there and comfortably say, okay, Lee Collins, we appreciate you. Best of luck, you know, next year somewhere else. We're going to be fine. So, I, to me, I feel even if, you know, John and KT and everybody has talked so much, you know, about how great Collins looked in camp this year. And even if he had, does have a big year, to me, I feel comfortable letting him walk. My only reservation with letting Byron leave is though they have depth at corner, but, you you know, this is a defensive coordinator who, of course, comes from uh, a scheme that loves long corners and, you know, in Seattle. And that's what he kind of prioritizes that's what it ideally uh that sort of scheme works in and byron's only really you know if you look what's behind him anthony brown is 5'11 jordan lewis i believe is 5'9 cheeto's listed at six feet um but he's built differently than a guy like byron who's just longer and so i wonder i mean obviously if there's a turnover piece and to me i think some of that is random right like i you know there are some guys who get labeled as cool football hawks but you know for me if you're sounding coverage those opportunities will arrive uh, if you do it over time and clearly he's become a fantastic cover corner but it's also the size and that's the only thing that i worry about if you kick out an anthony brown at the perimeter and you know suddenly you're you're playing in the nfl where people are prioritizing bigger and longer receivers and you don't have a corner like that will that work long term i don't doubt that all four of those guys can cover but byron's body type is more unique on this roster um in terms of being kind of the prototypical bigger corner in today's nfl yeah that makes a lot of sense and, and i i think too if you look at the history of Chris Richard and some of his cornerbacks there, the, the hip injury is very interesting to me to, with Byron because a, it was very, it wasn't talked about very much, but B it appears like it's going to be fine and he'll probably be, you know, okay. But if you look at Chris Richard's history with cornerbacks, a lot of those guys have had hip injuries and I'm wondering if that's a technique thing, something that he's done, you know, what's those big tough guys playing on the outside guys who are willing to tackle for the most part too. But, like, you start to go, okay, well, why are some of these Seattle corners – why did they have some hip injuries? Um, so a couple of those guys had some very interesting injuries that were very similar to Byron that made me go, huh, I wonder if that's just something that, you know, is a Richard-type thing where you kind of run these guys into the ground after a few years because they do play a physical brand of football that you don't always see with corners who play a lot of cover two or, or you know, things like that. Or just like you're, you, well, there's not many island corners anymore. Like Patrick Peterson's really the only one that does that a ton. Sometimes Jalen Ramsey, but it's a little more uh, involved in the run game with with these types of corners as well. So that's something that's interesting to watch. Um, do you guys want to go ahead and just take a take a peek at the Giants? Maybe nothing hardcore. Maybe we'll save that for Friday's podcast. But you guys want to just go ahead and take a peek at the Giants before we get out of here? 
Let's get into it. Hey, I'm ready for whatever, man. Whatever you want to do, KT. Well, the first thing that jumped out to me was if you don't have Zeke, how much will uh, this Giants game look like the Week 17 Giants game last year in which Dak threw the ball 45 times? I think it could look a lot like that, man. You have Saquon Barkley running all over the place, um, which I do think that this defense is set up well, that they should be able to at least contain him, um, especially if Eli Manning isn't doing anything to, to beat you. And I'll say this, I, I've, never, I've never been around a locker room that seems more eager to play another player than the Cowboys' defense seems to be to play uh, Eli Manning. I mean, Demarcus Lawrence obviously <laughs> talks about it the most publicly, um, but what Eli Manning does is exactly what this defense likes to play against, and that's a pocket passer. Because when you're getting almost all of your pass rush from your front four, if you don't have a mobile quarterback and he's just sitting back there, uh, that front four can get the job done. It's when you have a mobile quarterback and he gets outside the pocket, and then all of a sudden, you, you know, your linebackers and safeties are getting more involved, but. Eli Manning is the perfect quarterback for this defense. He's exactly who they want to see um, because of his lack of mobility. So um, because of that, I think it could be very similar to that game. And I've felt all along, and and I'm sure you guys have too, is just with or without Zeke, the Cowboys should still win this game. Yeah, this should should be something that is, you know, there are no easy wins in the league, but – you should win this game. If you're if you have the ambitions that this team has, whether or not Zeke's there, you should win. And so for me, I'm actually really intrigued to see just how they they treat Saquon. You know, I mean, the easy answer from the outside is oh, you cloud cover him, you throw a ton of people in the box, you do whatever it takes to stop him. Um, it's not like Eli has nobody to throw to. I mean, Evan Ingram is established himself as a very strong receiving tight end, especially when Odell Beckham is out. Uh Sterling Shepard's a solid enough slot guy. So the question is, do you you know, to what degree, I mean, like John said, Eli is what they want to play against. So is the scheme this weekend going to be put nine in the box and just tell Eli, win this game with your arm and let's see if you can do it? Are they going to, you know, mix up the fronts and kind of give Saquon more opportunities than you might imagine? I mean, it's easy on the outside to say, okay, just, you know, do whatever it takes to stop a running back and worry about the passing game later. But, you know, it's not always how it plays out. So I'm, I'm really encouraged to see what, you know, Rashard, Rod Baronelli, what they cook up this weekend um, defensively. To, to make this happen because I think you know this will be a good test for Dak but it'll also be interesting to see you know the, the unfortunate part is if Zeke doesn't play then I think we're all looking at looking forward to seeing the two best running backs in the game um, on the field at the same time now it's just Saquon how, how does Dallas approach that and what does Saquon look like in week two or, or year two I should say um, you know second year of the league to where is he going to put the Giants in the playoffs, I highly doubt it, but he already looked like a special player in year one. Can he go up another gear? And if he does, what's Dallas's counter move to that? Yeah, and that first game last year, um, Saquon had 14 catches for 80 yards against the Cowboys. So stupid. Um, but then then they then they rushed for uh, 109 yards in week in the week 17 game. Uh, that was after rushing for 28 yards in the week two game. So. A little bit different. You know, one thing I think that uh, will be a, a big factor in this game, and I do think it'll be fairly close. I don't think, you know, the Cowboys are just going to go wipe the floor with them. But one thing that I think is a, a good break for the Cowboys is that the Golden Tate's suspension because, look, I like Sterling Shepard. You could argue that Sterling Shepard is one of the best route runners in the entire league. But we're talking wide receiver one yet? Yeah, I don't know if we're there yet with him. 
And that's where you kind of look at the rest of their depth chart at wide receiver. And I go, man, I don't really have anyone scaring me. I don't think there's a lot of guys besides Saquon. You mentioned Evan Ingram and Sterling Shepard can, you know, make a play or two. They don't have enough weapons yet to really go make this this defense uh, really put them on on edge, in my opinion. I just feel like, look, you're gonna obviously you're gonna have your hands full, but I think the defensive backs are going to be swarming in this game because there's just not enough uh, there's not enough threats on the outside for this team for Eli Manning to find a guy and get open and you know because Eli, as you mentioned, John, Eli's not going to create time. You know, he's not going to extend plays. So I think a combination of the Cowboys' pass rush being able to to get to the quarterback a little bit. Obviously, we haven't seen a ton of, really hardly any of Demarcus Lawrence or anything like that. But that combined with the Golden Taint being out, it makes me go, man, I, I kind of feel like the Giants don't have enough weapons yet to really even be taken serious offensively. And that's what happens when you trade Odell Beckham for Jabril Peppers. Uh, it's kind of <laughs> just kind of a part of what happens. So uh, I feel really good about the game. And I know you guys will, will break it down uh, a little more in depth on Friday. Once we get Bob Sturman here, uh, he can make everything better as well. So, well, that was uh, an episode that was quite strange because there was breaking Lyle Collins news. Um, so good for us, right? That's probably good for us. If you want to catch every episode of About Them Cowboys, the best way to do that is to go to theathletic.com and subscribe. I highly encourage you to subscribe. It's, it's really the best decision you could make this fall season. It's not officially autumn, but I'm going to say it's the best decision you can make in the fall as the leaves change. Uh, you can also catch the podcast on... You need the athletic. Say that again, Mike. You don't need pumpkin spice in the fall. You need the athletic in the fall. That's right. You can have an athletic latte. The latte will taste the same while you browse the athletic, not only on your laptop or your mobile app. Download the athletic app on your phone as well. Um, I think it's probably the best app I've ever seen, and I'm not saying that because I work here. I'm saying that because I've had other people out of nowhere when I'm wearing my athletic hat compliment me, go, oh my God, I got that app, and I just can't believe how easy it is to just browse when I'm, uh, you know, on a plane or all that types of stuff. So get the app, subscribe. John, is there anything you have huge coming out that you'd like to promote? No, nothing. But the reason why I say that is is because I'm kind of in a I'm kind of in a holding pattern right now because there's some things that that I'm interested in working on, but I think it all is going to revolve around what Ezekiel Elliott does right now, and then obviously this Lyle Collins news changes things for me as well. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in what we're going to touch on a lot of this stuff because I think that we're going to have. A little bit more clarity by the end of the week so i'll touch on that stuff whether it be in articles and then also with uh with bob on on, on the final uh podcast looking into into the giants game so there's going to be articles and they're going to be good i just don't know exactly my my final point yet on, on, on which way i'm going to be going i think a lot of it depends on uh when zeke's contract gets done and what kind of access we have um hopefully we'll be able to get some background on all this from jerry stephen jones etc so yeah definitely be looking out for that zeke has done a pretty good job of holding dfw media hostage with this whole thing 
and that will continue. Until next time, uh, thank you to legendary journalist Mike Pellucci. Thank you to legendary journalist John Mashoda. I'm just that's a guy. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a stretch. It's true. I'm no, not a stretch for John. Stretch for me. On Friday, we will, or Thursday or Friday, we'll have uh, the next episode this week. Game preview, fully in-depth, Cowboys, Giants. So make sure you catch that as well. Until next time, about them Cowboys. Or how about them Cowboys? I'll let Kent edit this together. How about them Cowboys?